If it's your first time with us today uh, here at Big Valley Grace, we're glad that you're here. We pray that it would just be a great time for you, that you would really see that we seek to, to lift up the name of Jesus Christ and to honor him in everything that we do. For those who are watching online, we're glad that you're with us as well. Welcome. And this is a really special church family, and I'm really thankful to be a part of it with you. Uh, it'll be helpful for you to utilize the sermon notes that are in your printed program. As we spend time in the Word of God today, they will help uh, to really form our content together. And we're going to look at three, uh, three books of the Bible today. The first one's going to be Luke. And so if you want to go ahead and turn there, you can. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. If you don't own a copy of the Bible yourself, we would like to give one to you as our gift. We would, we would love for you to have a copy of the Word of God. Just come to the altar room immediately after the gathering, and uh, one of our team members will give you a Bible free of charge. We want you to have your own copy of the Word. Well, I've got some traditions in my own life regarding Mother's Day. I'm sure many of you do. And let's get honest, really the hardest part about Mother's Day is picking out the right Mother's Day card. And, but I think I really have cracked the code on this one. What I do each year is I find a card that on the outside has the feel of my mom. And, and so every mom is different. You just have to really imagine your mom holding the card. And if you think it's going to look good in your mom's hands, then you're on the right track. And make sure the message on the front is appropriate. It doesn't say, happy birthday, <laughs> right? <clears throat> and uh, uh, those cards are in the wrong section. Uh, but what's really important is what's on the inside, right? The inside, that's where you, you've got to write the personal message. And this is where everybody usually gets tripped up. But I've found really that the best message that you can give mom is, is actually to write the exact same thing every year in the card. I, I've found one message that always applies. It's just three little words. I'm sure you're probably going to guess what they are. Um, they really sum it all up every single year for mom. And so this is the personal note that I write to my mom every year. It is, I am sorry. <laughs> And if it's been especially bad year, just put for everything, right? Just to cover your bases. Oh man, I mean, it keeps it simple, it keeps it factual, and, and let's be honest, we've got things we need to apologize to mom for, all right? But seriously though, being a mom, is a, it's a difficult job. Like Lisa said, it's a hard job. It, it, it's super complex. When I think of all the facets involved in being a mom, uh, how many, it just reminds me of a beautiful diamond. Diamonds are incredibly beautiful, and one of the reasons diamonds are so beautiful is because of how many angles are involved. Each angle of the diamond, it's this opportunity to reflect light in a unique way. And I believe the same is true for moms. Every angle, every aspect of being a mom, it's like a unique opportunity to highlight how beautiful and special mom really is. So complex, yet so beautiful. Every angle that's going on in the life of a mom, it shines brightly like a diamond. Well, in addition to moms, I see another type of woman that shines brightly like a diamond. This type of woman also has a complexity to her, has many facets or opportunities in her life to reflect light beautifully. And as we look at scripture today, I think you're gonna see it as well, and it is, a woman of prayer. 
And today we're going to look at four facets that shine brightly like a diamond in a woman of prayer. Prayer is something that shines brightly in a woman of God. It, it shines brightly in a man of God too, but today we're going to focus our attention to recognize how a woman of prayer shines brightly like a diamond. Prayer is the ongoing dialogue of relationship with God. Prayer is the ongoing dialogue of relationship with God. And today I'm going to introduce you to some women of prayer who have deeply impacted my own life. Some of them I know only through the pages of scripture. Some of them I've had the privilege to know face to face. But all of them have modeled what it looks like to live as a woman of prayer. And I admire and greatly respect each of the women of prayer I'm gonna to introduce to you today. Now please take your Bibles again and turn to Luke chapter one, verse 26. I'm gonna read for us verses 26 through 31 and then verse 38. And it's in this passage we'll discover the first facet that shines brightly in a woman of prayer. In this passage we're gonna observe Mary, the mother of Jesus. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And then in verse 38, and Mary said, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In this passage, we discover the first facet that shines brightly in a woman of prayer, and this is facet number one, and it is surrender. When a woman of prayer embraces the facet of surrender, she prays along these lines, God, you are in control of my life. It says in verse 38, and Mary said, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary recognized God was the authority figure for her life. She says, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. But then Mary submitted to God as the authority figure for her life. And she says, let it be to me according to your word. She recognizes him as the authority, but then she submits to him as the authority. And this is an incredibly mature response for such a young woman to display. This kind of response, it, it really indicates the type of spiritual community that Mary experienced growing up in a family that recognized and submitted to God as the authority figure for their lives. It is a very special and a very spiritual act to raise a child in a family of prayer. I want to introduce to you a, a very good friend of mine, 
really a daughter in Christ who's grown up in a family of prayer. Will you please join me in welcoming Hannah Frioli? Hannah and I serve Jesus alongside each other as teammates on the ministry staff here at Big Valley Grace, and Hannah serves as the administrative assistant to Counseling and Recovery Ministries, and it is my joy to know her as my personal friend. Hannah, will you please share with us about your experience growing up in a family of prayer? Hi, everyone. Um, When Joel asked me to think about um, growing up in a family of prayer, I just see how much of an anchor it was for me and my family just because our home was woven with intentional threads of communion with Jesus. And um, I think back to how it was modeled, um, time in the Word and prayer was modeled by my parents as a really distinct and intentional time in the morning, as well as um, like continual practice throughout the day. And um, in unspoken ways, it was non-negotiable and sacred And in spoken ways, it was taught to me as a good spiritual discipline that wasn't based on my ability to pray perfectly or necessarily how much time I spent in prayer. It was all about choosing, me choosing intentionally to be with Jesus. And um, through seeing that modeled in my family and just through having a family that cherished prayer, I learned several things. One being that anxiety is always a signal to pray. Um, The enemy frequently uses anxiety in my life to pull me away from the Lord. But um, I've learned that anxiety that brings me to the feet of Jesus is really a gift that leads to intimacy and closeness with him. And another thing I distinctly remember my grandpa telling me is that God is a gentleman and He loves to be invited into every part of our lives, but he won't force his way into places that he's not invited into. And so through prayer, I'm able to intentionally invite him into the significant and the seemingly insignificant parts of life. And um, he just wants to be in all of it. Um, Another thing is, um, I remember my mom teaching me that prayer is almost like laying tracks for the train of my life um, in the direction that the Lord would want it to go. Um, I don't have any vision or direction for my life apart from Him. And so through prayer, I'm able to ask the Holy Spirit to give me His mind on decisions and situations and then um, receive that vision from Him. And uh, last thing is I was taught the value of praying scripture and how there's something so beautiful and holy about praying God's own words back to him. And since he will remain true to his promises, I can know with confidence that I'll receive the prayers and the promises that I'm uh, reiterating back to him. So it's just been such a blessing to grow up in a family of prayer and through having that modeled in my home and having the people in my life make prayer a necessary and rich part of their um, communion with Jesus, I'm encouraged daily myself to be a woman of prayer. So thank you for letting me share. Hey, let's appreciate Hannah. (laughs) Great job, great job.
Hannah has really reflected well the family of prayer in which she was raised. And uh, I see in your life, Hannah, these facets of a woman of prayer. You and all the women of prayer of our church family shine brightly like a diamond for Jesus Christ. And when we talk about surrender, it's not an easy thing. However, our passage, it lets us understand one key that helps us understand really how to start living in surrender to God. And the key to surrender is favor. Let's observe in our passage how Mary, the mother of Jesus, experienced favor. Again, in verse 28, it says, And the angel Gabriel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Mary experienced God's favor. Mary was God's favorite. The only way that Mary knew that she was God's favorite was because God sent her a message through an angelic messenger named Gabriel. And that message was, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. In a sense, God tells Mary, you are my favorite. It changes the whole dynamic of a relationship when you realize that you are God's favorite. When you experienced firsthand the favor of God in your life, you'll have a desire to live with open hands in surrender to God. And when a woman of prayer polishes the facet of surrender, it shines brightly like a diamond in her life for Jesus Christ. The first facet that shines brightly in a woman of prayer is surrender. The second facet that shines brightly in a woman of prayer is stewardship. And this is facet number two, stewardship. When a woman of prayer embraces the facet of stewardship, she prays along these lines, God, everything in my hands belongs to you. Now take your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 27. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 27. Here we see stewardship demonstrated by Hannah, the mother of Samuel. The Bible records Hannah in this way in verse 27. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. Now let's unpack these two verses together. Hannah says, for this child I prayed. Hannah, recognizing that she did not currently have in her hands that which she longed for, which in this case was a child, prays to God and asks God to provide her with a child. Hannah continues with, the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. So in other words, God, as the provider, chooses to provide for Hannah that which she was seeking, which in this case, again, is a child. And Hannah recognizes not only as God is the one in which to make the request to, but also God is the one who fulfills the request as well. Hannah continues to explain what took place in verse 28. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. Now allow, allow me to really logically explain the stewardship decision that Hannah makes. It goes like this. There was not a child in my hands, so I asked God for a child in my hands. God blessed me with a child in my hands, so I will see the child in my hands as belonging to God. Thus, I will see myself 
as the one who is to steward this child that belongs to God. Stewardship, it's an incredibly mature response for a woman of, pr of prayer to display in her life. And this kind of response really indicates the way in which a woman of prayer views the many facets of her life, to see all the angles of her life as orchestrated by God. Opportunities for light to shine brightly like a diamond in her life. Now I wanna to introduce to you another good friend of mine, a sister in Christ, whom I have witnessed for many years faithfully praying for her family. Will you please join me in welcoming Gretchen Miller. Gretchen and I serve alongside each other as teammates on the ministry staff here at Big Valley Grace. Gretchen serves as the director of women's ministry and it is my joy to know her as my personal friend. And so Gretchen, will you please share with us about your experiencing learning to pray for your family? Well, they say that behind a person of great faith is someone on their knees praying for them. Behind the life of the prophet Samuel was a praying mom, Hannah, who was praying for him when he was only a dream. She dedicated him fully to the Lord before she even knew that she got to be a mother. Before she knew that he would hear the voice of God, that he would anoint and instruct kings, that he himself would actually work for the mighty Lord. My name is Gretchen Miller, and like Samuel, I've been prayed over for most of my life, but it wasn't until later in life that I realized what a gift it is. One of my dearly loved prayer warriors was Betty Bowles. She's now with Jesus and has been enjoying him for a good long time. Uh, but when she was alive, she would sit in her chair and she would pray and she would pray and she would pray some more. She'd grab her Bible, her prayer journal, and a telephone. She'd open up the Word. She'd pray over her people, and she'd give them a call and let them know that she'd been praying for them. She was single and never had children of her own, but she was a spiritual mother to many. I know that my parents have prayed for me and do pray for me. Uh, my mom has a group of Bible study gals they've been meeting forever, and they have prayed for me. Betty Bowles has prayed for me. These are just a few of the prayer warriors God has used to keep me walking with Jesus. I grew up loving Jesus, loving his word, wanting to please him with my life. I desired to marry a godly man and raise our children to know Jesus, follow him, and love him fiercely. At Betty's funeral, the pastor asked who would step into Betty's shoes as a prayer warrior for the church. He said, the church needs prayer warriors. Our world needs prayer warriors. Our families need prayer warriors. He pointed out that the kingdom of God received one of the best and challenged us with who would replace Betty as a praying warrior for the saints. She died many years ago and I still remember the pastor's question and I'm challenged always to pray and to keep praying. By the time I was 26, I had three babies. Uh, when my youngest was born, his older sister was three and his brother was two. Boom, Insta family. 
I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew the one who made these three sweet people and placed them in my home. I prayed for them. I prayed for myself. I prayed for my husband. I prayed for wisdom and forgiveness and for help. I prayed that I would understand them, that I would love them well and in a way that they could understand. I prayed that the, that the Lord would help me to trust his good work, even when things looked hard and situations were bleak. I prayed through their victories and their joys, their heartache and their emotions, their growing pains and their illnesses. I prayed for their relationships and their love for Jesus. I prayed for them. I prayed for my man, mostly because I knew God knew. He had blessed me with all these sweet people to love and to care for, and they were, they are his. And he had the instruction manual. I just needed to open it up. I'd open up my Bible and I'd ask the Lord to reveal himself through the words in his book. I would read scripture and say it out loud back to the Lord as a prayer for my kids and my husband. I'm not a formal prayer. There have been times in my life when I am down on my knees crying out to the Lord, but generally I just talk to him through the day. I open up my Bible and I pray his words back to him. God, you tell me that you give wisdom and revelation and you give it generously to those who ask. Lord, my husband needs your wisdom and revelation today. Give it to him generously and direct his steps. Lord, your word says that you will uphold me in your righteous right hand, that I have no reason to fear for you are with me, that you will help me. Lord, my daughter needs your help today. Remind her how dearly loved she is and that you are holding on to her, that she has no need to fear. My marriage and my family have been built on my knees before the Lord praying. I was given the gift through my life and I hope to give, and I have been given the opportunity to give that gift back. James 5.16, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Years ago, I was challenged with our world needs prayer warriors, our churches need prayer warriors, our families need prayer warriors. And the Lord gave me that reminder to step into Betty's shoes and to be praying for my family. Thank you. Hey, let's appreciate Gretchen. Hey, good job, good job, good job. Awesome. Uh, well done, well done. Well, Gretchen, you as well have really, uh, you've reflected well just seeing yourself as a steward of the blessings that God has chosen to give you, and I see in you also these facets of a woman of prayer, and you and all of the women of prayer in our church family shine brightly like a diamond for Jesus Christ. And stewardship's not an easy thing. However, our passage, it lets us understand one key that helps us really to understand how to start living as a steward unto God. And the key to stewardship is selflessness. Let's observe in our passage how Hannah, the mother of Samuel, displays an incredible example of selflessness. In verse 28, she says, as long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. Hannah was selfless with that which she longed for the most. 
The thing that she desired the most was a child in her hands. And once God blessed her with a child in her hands, she saw that blessing as an opportunity to be incredibly selfless and bless God back by living like this child still belonged to God. When I think of moms, when I think of all the facets that make a mom so incredibly beautiful, the idea of selflessness definitely comes to mind. Selflessness is the key to stewardship. And when a woman of prayer polishes the facet of stewardship, it shines brightly in her life like a beautiful diamond for Jesus Christ. The second facet that shines brightly in a woman of prayer is stewardship. The third facet that shines brightly in a woman of prayer is shepherding. This is facet number three, shepherding. When a woman of prayer embraces the facet of shepherding, she prays along these lines. God, use me to impact people for Jesus Christ. And take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Here we see shepherding demonstrated by Eunice, the mother, and Lois, the grandmother of Timothy. The Bible records the Apostle Paul making this observation about Timothy's family. This is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Paul says this about Timothy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I'm sure, dwells in you as well. What an incredible testimony to the faithfulness of grandmother Lois and mother Eunice. When a grandmother or a mother takes shepherding seriously in her own family, there's a profound spiritual influence that impacts multiple generations for Jesus Christ. Paul is looking at this young man in Timothy and he's basically saying, now these are my own words now, the reason your faith is so strong is because your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice have shined brightly like diamonds for Jesus Christ for multiple generations. And when a woman of prayer takes on the facet of shepherding, she profoundly impacts generations for Jesus Christ. Well, I want to introduce you to another good friend of mine, a mother in Christ, whom I have witnessed firsthand my entire life, faithfully praying for her family. Will you please join me in welcoming my mom? Mom and I serve as teammates here uh, at Big Valley Grace. She's the mother to the associate <laughs> pastor. And uh, she serves on my teaching collaboration team and helps me in many ways. And so if anything good you ever hear me say, it probably came from mom. And uh, it's a fun thing when a family serves Jesus together. But mom, will you please share with us about your experiencing shepherding me my life through prayer? As soon as I knew I was pregnant with you, I began to pray that you would be born healthy and whole. Your dad and I thanked the Lord for your new life, knowing that you were fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm 139, 14. What a special Sunday night it was when you were born, all nine pounds, five ounces of you. <laughs> we were so grateful to God that he had given us a third healthy son. We were so thankful for you on that day. And we have been thankful for you every day since then. The very next Sunday morning, we dedicated you to the Lord at Big Valley Grace when it was located on Standiford Avenue. When you were very young, we prayed that you would come to know Jesus at an early age. 
and God answered that prayer on December 24th, 1984. I've often thought how special it was of the Lord in his overarching plan for our lives that the Blake family, Phil and Danny, and their children, um, Chris and Sarah, would be with us that Christmas Eve when you asked Jesus into your heart. Several years later, Sarah would be with you when you were baptized. Only the Lord knew, even then, that years later, in 2000, you and Sarah would be married, and the Blakes and the Boones would become family. Such sweet evidence that God is in all the details of our lives. In your early years, I prayed Proverbs 22:6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I prayed that you would always feel secure in our love for you, that you would grow in your understanding of the Lord's love for you. 2 Peter 3:18, that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I prayed that you would be kind, loving, and respectful, that the Lord would give you a tender heart for him and for others. And I prayed that you would learn obedience so that you might learn to follow the Lord in obedience. I know at times some of those lessons in learning to obey were kind of painful. Sorry about that. <laughs> when you went to school, I asked the Lord to watch over you, to protect you, and to help you. Psalm 121.8, the Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forevermore. I prayed that you would be a good friend, that you would be an encourager, being generous and considerate. Psalm 91.11, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Dad and I often prayed together that the Lord would protect you from the influences of evil. I prayed that you would have a healthy self-esteem, not being arrogant, but understanding that you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 2.10. I also prayed that you would learn to be responsible and self-disciplined and that you would learn to apply yourself to your schoolwork. Some years, I prayed for that a lot. When you were in high school, I prayed for purity of your mind, heart, and actions. Psalm 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O God. I asked the Lord that the purity of your heart might be seen in your actions. Also that you would grow in your love for the Lord and your understanding of God's word. I prayed that the Lord would mature you and that you would grow as Christ did in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man, Luke 2:52. I prayed that you would learn humility, that you would learn forgiveness, contentment, and gratitude. I prayed that the Lord would direct your steps and decisions for your future. Proverbs 16:9. the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. After high school, you made the decision that you were going to move into an apartment with some friends and that you would start classes at MJC. I remember praying long and hard that you wouldn't make seriously wrong choices during that season of your life. We prayed that the Lord would watch over your dating relationship with Sarah and that he would be at the center of your relationship. 
Eventually, you and Sarah would be married. And I'll never forget arriving at your wedding to see you all dressed and ready in your tux. I remember thinking, he did it. Joel got here on time, and he's all ready. <laughs> Somehow, the Lord in that moment reassured me that my little boy had become a mature and capable adult, and that with God's help, you and Sarah would be just fine. What a wonderful day that was, and we were so proud of you both and so happy for you. Sarah is a beautiful gift from the Lord to you and a gift to us as well. She is the answer to many of our prayers. After you were married, I had so many new things to pray for, and before long, a grandson was on the way. Never would we have dreamed that you and Sarah would give us nine grandchildren to love. We are very blessed. Over the years, we have prayed many times that the Lord would bless you and Sarah with a loving marriage, that he would watch over and protect your marriage and guard it from the schemes of the enemy, that he would provide for all of your needs and direct your decision-making so that you might make choices that are God-honoring. I've prayed that he would help you to finish school at Moody Bible Institute, and after a lot of work and a lot of years, you graduated, and we all celebrated. <laughs> Today, I continue to ask the Lord to help you as you parent and to give you wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in ministry. And I pray that God will forever hold you close in his heart and in his love. As I've thought back on all the many ways we have prayed for you the last 38 years, my heart is full of gratitude to the Lord. He has answered so many of our prayers. Great is his faithfulness. All glory to him. We love you, son. All right, let's appreciate mom. I love you, mom. Thank you. Oh, and uh, mom, I got you a card. There we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whew. <laughs> it's about blue, that one. <laughs> oh, man. When a woman of prayer polishes the facet of shepherding, it shines brightly like a beautiful diamond for Jesus Christ. The fourth facet is the facet of Scripture. When a woman of prayer embraces the facet of Scripture, she prays along these lines, God, use your word to guide my prayer. Now, in the same letter to Timothy, the Paul, Apostle Paul goes on to elaborate more exactly about how Eunice, the mother, and Lois, the grandmother of Timothy, influenced his life. And in 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17, it says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Paul is encouraging Timothy to remember how his grandmother Lois and then his mother Eunice taught Timothy the truth of scripture. To remember how Timothy, from the time of his childhood, both learned the scriptures and believed the scriptures through the shepherding influence of the faith of his grandmother and the faith of his mother. This passage makes total sense to me and allow me to explain how I've personally been impacted in a similar fashion you just saw 
that. You know, childhood memories are a powerful thing. And I want to share with you the earliest childhood memories I have of my own mother. As a very young child, as far back as I can remember, I have this memory. Waking up early, walking out of my bedroom, down the hallway, into the living room, and upon arrival, seeing my mother sitting in her special chair with a cup of coffee and her Bible open in her lap, with a pen and a paper in her hand. Mom was spending time with Jesus. Mom was reading and studying scripture. Mom was using the word of God to guide her prayer. When this passage explains how Timothy from childhood was greatly influenced by the examples he had in his mother Eunice and in his grandmother Lois, it makes sense to me because it describes my experience as well. Mom taught me how to have faith in Jesus Christ. Mom taught me how to believe. Mom taught me the word of God. Mom taught me about how to have salvation in Jesus Christ. Mom taught me that the Bible captured the very breath of God on paper. Mom used the scriptures to teach me, to correct me, to show me what a righteous life looked like and how to live in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Mom knew that the scriptures had everything I needed to grow up to be a man of God so that I would be made complete in Christ. Mom knew that God had a plan for my life and a good work for me to do. And mom knew that her role was to pray the truth of scripture over my life. Mom, thank you for allowing God to use his word as you shepherded me. Whenever I notice a new work that God is doing in my life, I cannot help but wonder, mom, if you've already known for a while what God's doing, because you're the one who asked him to do it. Mom, you have shepherded me well with scripture my entire life, and I see in you the facets of a woman of prayer. And you and all the women of prayer in our church family, you all shine brightly like diamonds for Jesus Christ. There are four facets that shine brightly like a diamond in a woman of prayer. And they are surrender and stewardship and shepherding and scripture. I want to invite the musicians to come as we close our time together in worship today. Let's stand together as I pray. Father God, Lord, we love you. And we're so grateful for you. And in all that we do, Lord, in all that we have done and all that we continue to do, our desire is to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. We want to honor you. And Lord, we say thank you for moms. We say thank you for the godly work you're doing in the women of prayer in our lives. Lord, you keep doing what you're doing. We're so grateful for how you're working. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen.